0: Yes, welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Buckle up those seatbelts and enjoy the ride. It's time for the NFL Week 12 review.
1: Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all day. Oh, cool. day oh, cool. Stay cool, man. We got something special to be honest you. are listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, standing in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so welcome in at one and all. This is the week twelve preview. You'll notice that there's no Mr. Sean Blundell here. He's watching his his soccer team, Aston Villa. Uh, I don't know what the score is. He might join us at some point later in the show, but who knows? That's the that's the joy of live television, isn't it? And um, we welcome you all in at one and all. We are here for you to to recap everything over the week week twelve uh, period. You will notice that we won't talk about the uh, the Dallas Cowboys because they actually had got a, a proper, well and truly stuffed uh, stuffed turkey. But we, we have, I'm, I'm, I can't. Get Guarantee that Mr. Voss won't talk about the uh, the Washington <laughs> the Washington football team. But yeah, happy belated Thanksgiving to one and all. Hope you all had a lovely bit of turkey. And um, obviously, the main news coming out from Thursday is uh, Lions fans can uh, can actually have a smile on their face with the news that the mad scientist uh, Matt Patricia and GM Bob Quinn have gone. Interesting, uh, that Lions fans. Uh, contributed towards what just one of on Watson's charities, wasn't it? Saying thanks for thank thanks again for it, met Pretisha. Uh you got to love the NFL haven't you? You got to love the fans. Um yep, yeah, but as you can see my two other guys in the huddle to talk all about Sunday's action and all the ramifications, including the playoff picture race. First up, Mr. Lawrence Voss, Mr. Retro, uh are you back on the the, uh, the Washington football team bandwagon now are you, are you gonna recurse them or
1: just just a little bit. I'm I might I might be doing a bit of heavy honors at the moment.
0: <laughs> who's there i saw i saw the signature on that uh hat who's the signature
1: that believe it or not and you won't believe it that is tim tebow's signature
0: oh i remember that's from the wembley uh, not from is that from the wembley game yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i remember yeah there you go if so, uh, if you if you did a venn diagram of of, of washington caps and tim tebow signatures there's not going to be that's that that's that yeah, <laughs> in existence that's, of the planet
1: earth so yeah that's yeah. going to
0: be the only the Washington uh, Redskins uh, hats with a with a Tim Tebow uh, Tim Tebow signature on it. Any anyone else out there that may be watching or anyone knows of a Washington Redskins cap that uh, is is out there in the universe with the Tim Tebow uh, signature, please let us know and we'll retweet it out and we'll maybe Lawrence will buy it off you. I don't know. Maybe he wants to. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely. And um, Tim, I've just got got one little question for you. Um okay. Why does Mike McCarthy hate guitar music?
0: Uh, Sank about strings
1: because he doesn't like to play a Gibson. Wow, uh, yeah, 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 oh my god.
0: Uh, come for the NFL analysis state for the jokes ladies and gents uh, plenty more of that where that came from but as you can see top right hand corner of your screen resident New England fan a Nick Folk fan club member no doubt uh, Kim Patson from the college pod uh, obviously quick costume change similarly to uh, any Super Bowl halftime show um, snap up snap, snap up anything nice in the Thanksgiving sales, black body sales because obviously it's a bit different over there for you isn't it
2: I got this that's about it that's a, just a, a prop for, for the college football podcast but New England won a game, so I am happy with Thanksgiving
0: this year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you just yeah, just a little bit. So yeah, like so. Uh, yeah well he's more happy than uh than this this pile of crap here but anyway enough about that um yeah we're going to talk about the, the playoff pictures obviously a lot of games going on in the nfl from week 12 with lots of playoff ramifications obviously nfc west is being won and obviously the huge cross divisional matchup between kansas city and the bucks which we will get to um yeah if you want to get involved comment chat uh, let us know get obviously we're depending on where you're watching if it's youtube facebook or twitter contact us and and leave a message and then any messages that come up through the show we will put them on and discuss them if we do see fit but appreciate you all joining us and as I say if you are a, a conventional podcast listener where we are between your ears and not necessarily in between your eyes uh thank you for joining the ride as I hope you got your seat belts on because we're uh we're about to get going and we start off obviously game of the week um Tony Tony Romo and Jim Nance obviously on the call for this one Tampa Bay uh at home against the Kansas City Chiefs uh Kieran 27 to 24 in this one what a first quarter um yeah give us what do, what do we what do we make of the of the second half in this one because because obviously the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs were 27-10 to 10 up uh, in the middle of the third after Tyreek's third touchdown uh, passed with a paltry 20 yards uh, compared to his other, his other two. But what, what did you make of, of the Bucks' second-half performance?
2: Something changed in that locker room. Uh, and it's almost like what we see with Kansas City last year. Every playoff game, they won. They were down 10 or more points at the half. That's a interesting fact about them and... Kansas City would always come out and readjust. And I think, you know, Tampa Bay did that. Look, my biggest problem with Tampa Bay right now is they have stacked every single position with talent upon talent upon talent. And I hate to say this, but they put a 43-year-old man at quarterback. I apologize to any 43-year-olds out there, but I doubt any of you are NFL quarterbacks. His arm isn't in it anymore. Bruce Arians, I don't know whether he's so ignorant to the fact of how Tom Brady's playing or Tom Brady's refusal to change, but he won't change the game plan to what made Tom Brady successful. Tom Brady has never been athletic, never had a big arm. Like The only two things that got Tom Brady to where he is now is an incredible football IQ and drive and fire to win. And he, he's, he's not, you know, he's still got the fire, but he's not. Look, Bruce Arian's offense is a lot of flashy passes, airing it out. That's why Jameis went 30 for 30, because you put a blind guy at quarterback, he's going to have a <laughs> lot of picks. Just how it happens. But Tom Brady does not fit into this offense either. He, he is a guy who is known to dink and dunk and keep time of possession and chip away at defenses. And he hasn't been able to do that since he arrived at Tampa Bay. And this game is just another, um, you know, just another showing of that. I said that Tampa Bay were probably going to win. No, not Tampa Bay. Kansas City were probably going to win and it would probably be close. It would probably be about three points in it and there was three points in it. I love being right on Kieran's corner. (laughs) But let's, let's just look at the Buccaneers to start with before I start gushing all over Kansas City. Tom Brady was 27 of 41. Three touchdowns and two picks. And they had 76 rushing yards as a team with... Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in the backfield, you only ran the ball 12 times. We've said this every single week. Tampa Bay, you need to run the ball. You can't win games relying on a 43-year-old's arm and no run game. You need to pound the rock and they are not doing it. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette should have 15 carries a game each. Not 12 between them. It's just poor mismanagement by Bruce Arians. They've got these absolute stud pass catchers Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Bray as well. Scotty Miller is fantastic when he's been on, but they are not utilizing this team to his full potential. And I hate to say it because I hate the Chiefs for what they did to the Patriots for a couple of years, put, had us on strings, except for when it mattered. But, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes could have set a record: forty-nine dropbacks this game, thirty-seven completions, four hundred and sixty-two yards, and three touchdowns. Everyone got involved. Their run game wasn't as, you know, impactful as I it's thought it could be. The only right, game.
3: Well,
2: they only gave uh, one of the best small men in the league, Clyde Edwards, they only gave him 11 touches and they only gave Le'Veon Bell five touches. So that could have really helped them elevate the score because they've got Clyde Edwards who you can stick on a gap play and he'll get you six yards. And then you've got guys like Le'Veon Bell who can really burst out of the backfield with their downhill speed. Receivers, obviously, Tyreek Hill had a game. I don't like him personally. I think he's a trash human being, but Tyreek Hill had an (laughs) app. you guys know why he had an absolute game this weekend he was feasting 269 say it with me nice yards and three touchdowns he was just everywhere on the field Travis Kelsey as well another guy he's a tight end but he lines up like a wide receiver an absolute talent 82 yards on eight catches just Sammy Watkins as well Sammy Watkins a great ball player. Same with Miko Hardman, who's been kind of muted this year, but last year we saw him come out and he, he looked fantastic. Kansas City deserved to have more points in this game, if you ask me. They played rings around Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay looked lost. Tom Brady was flinging the ball out into places where his receivers weren't even in 10 yards of he just it was a bad show all around it was badly coached by bruce arians and honestly andy Reid, you need to reassess yourself too because the fact you only beat Tampa bay by three points when you've got the weapons you have come on man you sort of scored a lot more points you should have had at least two or three rushing touchdowns to add to the total but yeah chiefs outplayed Tampa Bay and I don't even think this is the best iteration of the Chiefs we've seen when you look back at what they did in the Super Bowl last year and the AFC Championship game last year and the AFC Divisional round last year and when they played was it 2019 when they have the Battle of LA with the Rams this team can do so much and they just look muted against uh Tampa Bay I think they deserve to win by a lot more as well
0: yeah, there's a couple of things I obviously want to uh, want to point out with with that. You know, you're saying about um, Kansas City should have won by a lot more, and you know, um, you know T- Tampa Bay not go- going away from the run game. I suppose when when you go down to big chunk plays and touchdowns like Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes did, kind of it, it forces you out there out of kind of script anyway. But I I, I agree because Tony Tony Romo seemed to think it was the second coming of the Harlem Globetrotters in the second half against Tampa uh, against Kansas City, and I I just thought I was the hold a load of Tosh. And um, because you know, Jim Nance asked him to, to say, oh, you know, oh, well, Tony Romo made the comment that this is going to be the Super Bowl. And he said that the the offense had evolved in the second half. I don't know what planet he's on. I don't I don't know what game he was watching. All I saw was just throw ups by Tom Brady to the outside of Mike Evans. And he was he, his connection with Mike Evans was so off last night. Um, on he, he didn't know when he was going to do cuts on his curls or his out or his, when he was breaking on his in and out routes. And it just, did, just didn't look good. Yeah. Um, and you and you're right i did yeah, tom brady doesn't look like he fits in this offense and and bruce Arians is is too to something to change that. But just, uh, yeah, just a couple of notes on Lawrence before I just bring you in to so see if there's anything you want to talk about and, you know, y- you could get lost for the next hour in the amount of stats and different records that have been broken in the, in this game. Uh, but Tyreek Hill, first quarter, had seven receptions, 203 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, second all-time in first, first quarter passing yards, 229, just behind at Peyton Manning from back in 2004. And uh, the most three uh, the, the most 300-plus yards passing in a first half since he entered the league, I think he, he has more more than any all QBs all QBs throughout since he entered the league uh before halftime then all of them combined I think he had four and I think all the rest of the league have three so just shows you the potency of the offense but it is quite an interesting debate to have to see you know was it Kansas City just easing up in the second half and easing up close home as they say in horse racing uh or was it was it the fact that Tampa Bay did yeah they did come back but it wasn't it didn't it never felt like they were going to get close yeah, I know the, the the scoreline probably flatters them uh, but bit it was it was a good game all the same but yeah it, it was one early doors to, to be quite honest, and, and and Mahomes Hill and the rest, of it could just done could
1: have done what they wanted whenever they wanted to be to be quite honest. Uh,
0: Lawrence, anything from you from the game?
1: Just a, it's just a cautionary note against the Chiefs' defense. Now we know, yeah, no doubt about the potency of that offense. We can we could talk about all their skilled players, you know, for the next hour, and and we still wouldn't be done with giving them praise. But that defence has got some vulnerability. Yes, the gas came slightly off because they had a big lead. But let's look at that that Chiefs defence. You know, it is a little bit vulnerable. It's not full of superstars. Um, Frank Clark made a few big errors, didn't he, in the game. Um, yeah. Big penalties. Um, late hit on the quarterback, which kind of, you know, kept a, kept a drive going that I pretty much died. So let's you know, let's let's remember that at the moment, they're still not the top team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. They're still the second-ranked team in the AFC. And if the Chiefs and Steelers were to face off right now, I still think the Steelers' defence will give them a big, big run for their money. So if that's mm-hmm. going to be the AFC Championship,
3: mm-hmm.
1: we could be talking about the Steelers going back to their seventh Super Bowl. We genuinely mm. could. That back chief's defense has vulnerabilities.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's would certainly be interesting. To say, if you give me a Steelers Chiefs uh, AFC Championship game, sign me up all day long. Um, but two teams, obviously, that will be hoping that that isn't the case uh, come at the end of January is the Titans and the Colts. Uh, of course, this is a, re- a rematch of the Thursday Night Football in Week Ten and a flipping uh, reverse essentially of the scoreline, I suppose. Lawrence um, exchanged early TDs, I think, on the first four drives. I think it was touchdowns on the opening four, uh, on the first four drives of the of the game. But um, you know, the, the Colts couldn't keep up in the end, and um, the Beaver, the Beaver. Or is that it again?
1: Yeah, I mean the this the the beaver. He's a <laughs> he's a mutant monster beaver, isn't he? And he's 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 creeping his way, well, well, or like stomping his way into a into the MVP race as well. I mean, I was talking about Alvin Kamara being in the MVP race, but he's absolutely getting getting screwed like a um, I, I, I don't know what by Taysom Good. Hill. This yeah. is <laughs> Alvin Kamara had 67 catches two weeks ago, 67 catches in nine games. And now in the last two games, he's had one catch in those two games, albeit two Saints wins. And we're not talking about the Saints, but just kind of that MVP, not being a quarterback. We were actually, we're actually starting to talk about, Derrick Henry in that you know in that potential MVP race he is that significant to the team um it was a you know big milestone for Henry reached 5000 yards um you know okay it took him 73 games but we have got to remember here Henry took a couple of years really to adapt into his role he only started four games in his first two seasons and he actually averaged under 40 yards rushing in a game in, in his, you know, in his rookie season and his second season. He had his first 1,000-yard season in 2018. And then where he's absolutely started blowing minds is the last two seasons. And I think we've got to, you know, what. whilst I know he's, he's had a couple of dodgy games, we've got to give some big credit to Ryan Tannehill, who's been using that play-action passing game. And he's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the last, you know, seasons I know he kind of came on late in um you know in 2019 but he's been highly accurate bar one or two games I mean Henry himself has 2,797 rushing yards and 28 touchdowns in his last 16 games yes ladies and gentlemen he is averaging 107 yards a game and a touchdown since the start of 2019 which is just absolutely phenomenal, considering all the ups and downs of what's gone on, the fact that they were the first team to have the big COVID outbreak, you know, all of this going on around him. And he's averaging 107 yards rushing a game for the last two seasons. I mean, I think really Henry's only weakness is his lack of versatility. You're not going to be throwing passes to him. He's not an Alvin Kamara He's, you know, he'd be lucky to catch about 20, 25 balls in a season. And that's on an exceptional season. In fact, he, he averages 8.5 yards receiving a game. Um, and he's only caught just over 50% of his dump off kind of catches this season, which is a career low. So he is pretty one-dimensional. But that one dimension that he's got is is mind-blowing. You know, his three rushing touchdowns in the first half along with another absolute highlight real touchdown hookup between Tannehill and A.J. Brown, who is looking... Is, is A.J. Brown going to be an All-Pro? It's kind of borderline. He's, he's on his way to an All-Pro season, I think. And, and you know, you get into halftime. They put 35 up. The game's effectively won. And that touchdown, um, the, the Titans' fifth touchdown for Tannehill, that, um, again... The kind of the fake the run and just ran in and kind of did his little flip in the air with the ball was a carbon copy of that two-point conversion against the Ravens when every single defender keyed on him. I mean, for goodness sake, can someone just key on Brian Tannehill at the goal line, please? If, it, if, if he does it three weeks in a row, that's just ridiculous. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go and become an NFL coach and say, look, look out for Ryan Tannehill at the goal line, please. Um <laughs> I mean, this was a... A Colts team that for a second week in a row were absolutely abysmal in the first half. And then they woke up in the second half and they, they actually managed to outscore the Titans in the second half, bizarrely. But they failed on both the two point conversions that they got in their, in their kind of second half touchdowns. If they would have got those two two point conversions, it actually would have been <coughs> a one score game going into the end it would have been a one score game there would have been eight points down but it would it would have been a one score game so then when they go just over two minutes left they go for that onside kick and AJ yeah. Brown's kind of eyes light up the ball bounces perfectly for him and kind of the the Colts kind of kicking kickoff team were just kind of going what what what, what just happened there and then there's AJ Brown, 42 yards later in the end zone for a touchdown. So it kind of flattered them a little tiny bit at the end with that score, but the Titans absolutely deserved the win. Um, one thing I would like to say is absolute best wishes to the Colts punter, Rigoberto Sanchez. He's actually having a cancerous tumor removed um, tomorrow. So, on behalf of everyone at full 10 yards, I want to give best wishes to rigoberto sanchez because that that kicker and punter combination on the colts is is kind of (laughs) i think the most fun combination of of a kicker and a punter we've had for a long long time probably since um sebastian janikowski and shane Leppler for the for the raiders in terms of that kind of iconic combo of kicker and punter so if you can if you can think of a better combination tweet us at full 10 yards Better, better legendary Kicker and punter combination. So, Tim, you asked me before this kind of what's changed in terms of the Colts and the Titans. So, three weeks ago, Henry just about cracked 100 yards against the Colts, zero touchdowns. Last night, he had eight more carries, 178 rushing yards, and three touchdowns in the first half, and totally just stomped the soul out of the Colts' defense. Interestingly, both teams are three and two. They finished November both 3-2, and so exact same records. Looking at the remainder of the schedule, aside from the Steelers, the Colts have got three winnable games, and the Week 14 game against Las Vegas is going to be a monster, monster game to see if either either team has got any real chance of going anywhere in the playoffs. Um, They do have two games against quite a resurgent Texans team, and they're going to need to win both of those to stand a good chance of going anywhere deep. Titans, they've got two challenges left in their season. They've got the Browns and the Packers, but they can realistically go 12-4. and And don't forget, this is a Titans team that's done what in the last four years?
0: Not a lot.
1: Finished (laughs) 9-7, 9-7, 9-7 and 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 9-7. So, you know, they're they're hoping to crack the the magic 10-win barrier. Fingers
3: crossed. Yeah, you know
1: what I mean. So, good good luck, Titans fans. I'm trying to get to double digit wins for the first time in in quite a while. Um, what what kind of what what were the big differences? I think between the two games. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, the rookie who's got just over 500 yards this season, was missing because of COVID, and that kind of meant that the Colts running game was pretty non-existent. They they had a shocking 2.7 yards a carry. Hines and Jonathan Wilkins, who was supposed to have a good game because I put him on my DraftKings teams, but he absolutely, the bed, um, failed to get over 30 yards. Two rushing touchdowns were by Jacoby Brissett, who is the, I can't think in living memory, probably aside from Tim Tebow, of a legitimate starting NFL quarterback who's actually transformed from a starting quarterback into a short yardage back. So that's that's that's, that's, that's
0: straight out of the uh, Jordan Howard textbook, isn't it?
1: Yeah, just absolutely bonkers. um So yeah, it's these two teams are kind of there and thereabouts, but I think the the combination of of Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, and and the Beaver are have just got that bit more quality, and I think it's possible. I guess that they could meet up in in a wild card game somewhere along the line. that could be they could make it a third game and it, and and I, and I say by the time it gets there it could still be a toss up
0: Mm. Yeah, right. I think one big one 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 big difference for me between the two games, obviously Javon, uh, not Javon Kinlaw, DeForest Buckner, um obviously forty nine ers linked there. DeForest Buckner wasn't in this game either. And they I think they, they missed quite a lot of guys on the inside, which allowed Derek Henry just to curb stomp the to, to curb stop the Colts. So uh, that was a, a big a big difference for me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Titans winning and that one as you can see on the bottom of your screen there, all the stats that you need to know. Uh, obviously the week ten meeting was 24-17 to the Colts in Nashville, but so like I say, the, the Titans uh, reversing the favour back to uh, the Colts on their home turf Derek Henry uh like you mentioned Lawrence 281 rushing yards in the two matches against the Colts uh you know not historically but you know normally a, a very good rush defense this on the on the season I think obviously the two games against the Titans where they've given up the most rush yards it's quite easy obviously to see why when you've got the beaver running the other way um and like I say yeah AJ Brown uh, touchdown yards after the catch 69 say it with me nice uh touchdown uh, loads of yak on that one obviously you mentioned there uh uh Special teams touchdown at the end there to give us, give them the spoils. Uh, we continue on then to the rest of the AFC. Is a turnover at fest in Buffalo, 27-17. to The final score in this one, obviously, one of the main storylines coming into this one was the return of Austin Neckler. It um, was a bit of a scare for the Bills uh, when Josh Allen went down for a little while. Matt Barkley came in uh, for a couple of plays, but he managed to come back on the field and, and, and see it through. Uh, Anthony Lynn, who will be featuring a bit later on in the podcast, uh, for me, clearly getting in the way of Justin Herbert and clearly getting in the way of this uh, Los Angeles Chargers team, but that's for a bit later, uh, but Buffalo taking the spoils in that one, improving to eight and three. But Miami seven and four are right there behind them after their win against the hapless Jets, obviously twenty to three in this one after smashing them the game before when Brian Fitzpatrick was uh, was starter once again twenty four to zip to out obviously out with an injury uh, an injury in this one. Uh, two touchdowns in the game to the tight ends: Mike Kosicki lovely touchdown, and uh, Adam Shaheen as well. They both found the end zone, but yeah, straightforward stuff there for Miami over in New Jersey and then go, moving on to another afc team that fell flat on their face uh, and that you can have as many analogies if you like but the uh, the las vegas raiders um for lack of a better word just didn't didn't turn up to atlanta they must have turned up to another stadium to play to play their nfl game because they certainly didn't go to atlanta and georgia and play in the mercedes Benz dome um the falcons rolled the raiders here 43 to 6 not no one and i mean no one saw that one coming, even Falcons fans didn't see this one coming, so certainly not by 37 points so to think that they, this was a bigger winning margin than the, the game in New Orleans, in Denver uh, which we'll get to shortly indeed, but Jesus Christ, um, but a, a catastrophic loss here um, uh, Kieran, two, for, for the Raiders in terms of the playoff race, two losses on the bounce now after their loss against Kansas City um, but the, the, the striking thing and the thing I can't put my finger on is how good, they even looked in defeat last week against Kansas City Chiefs and just how inept and how tr- how awful, how awful they were uh, in 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 this game here. And this you know this is a Falcons team that don't have any aspirations anymore this season. They're not going anywhere fast. Uh, Raheem, they have got an interim head coach. You know the offensive line can't can't guard against the wind. And yeah, but I suppose any given Sunday.
2: What in what world are we living in? Where MVP candidate Derek Carr has more interceptions than Nathan Peterman. What is happening, guys? We're living in the upside down. It's no touchdowns by the Raiders. None. They gave <laughs> Rip. I have said all season, I love this Raiders team. they have run first, and I know uh, La- Lawrence as well loves that the run first, Smash Mouth five yards and a cloud of dust football and what they do this game they handed it to josh <laughs> jacobs seven times Way. Hey, he's see i need funko pops like that yeah they gave it to josh jacobs seven times and let a uh, quite honestly who's been terrible this season well not terrible he's been good at points while matt ryan dropped back almost 40 times and still only got 185 passing yards i could do that if i dropped back 40 times but no the the uh the falcons are all over him i don't think anyone saw this game go in the falcons way no like you said the falcons fans themselves they they show up in their arena league looking uniforms that look terrible and then they play a game like this which really shows that maybe getting rid of Dan Quinn has been the best things they ever could have done and a uh, sorry to so- uh, Scott Olsen there in the chat getting nothing for his fantasy team with Josh Jacobs I really feel for you there because he's on my fantasy team as well but yeah the Raiders have a ton of weapons and just the refusal to use them yesterday Hunter Renfro was probably the only guy who looked like he was trying if I'm going to be completely honest with you and he plays that angry for the same reason I act this angry because my hair is falling out and I'm not even 30 yet so, those, what the what the Raiders I think need to do in this this week uh, is they need to sit down and they need to reassess this game because this is a game where everything went wrong for them. Derek Carr was making bad reads, getting forced out of the pocket, errant Froze, They did they weren't handing the ball to two of their biggest playmakers in Josh Jacobs and um, Henry Ruggs, who you know been really muted. He came out to all this fanfare thinking. Look, like, It was a very Raiders pick. They picked him because he's fast, but then he hasn't lived up to that potential. You've got a guy like Henry Ruggs who can take the top off any defense in the NFL. And he's just, you know, he's not getting the targets. He should, if we take away anything from this game, it, yeah, Ross Sterling bragging in chat as well, that he had Tyreek Hill on multiple teams. Um, there's one thing we take away from this game is that you can't get complacent because I think that's what happened with the Raiders. They come in against a terrible Falcons team and thought we're going to trounce it. And that happens. I'm not, I'm not saying Josh Gruden is a guy who gets complaint. Uh, John Gruden, sorry, Josh Gruden. I'm not saying <laughs> Gruden is a guy who gets complacent or, or really lets standards slip like that, but it appears he did this season. You could even tell when you were seeing on the sidelines and his frustrations and the, players frustrations this isn't the same Raiders we saw beat the Chiefs not by a long shot
0: uh so
2: you know I think Raiders really need to sit down and reassess what they're doing at this point if they I don't know if they can still make playoffs they're six they're six and five but that's, right. that, that
0: brings me—that brings me actually quite nicely on. Obviously, I just round out with the Browns. Obviously, the Browns just—I I, I, say—squeak past the Jacksonville Jaguars. It got hairy for a little bit, but um, yeah, obviously, being able to rely on the run game and Mike, Glenn, Mike Glennon was quite plucky and was quite boisterous uh, in, in defeat. But I I, you know, they probably just made it look a bit, um, yeah, because if they did, they were, were trying. But um, yeah, I don't know if you—I you know, don't obviously, Sean might join us a bit later on, but I don't know if he would—he was ever worried at all. I, I know I had him in a big last man, the Browns in a big last man standing uh, competition, I was a bit. Uh, you know, I was scratching my head a little bit when they started scoring touchdowns, especially uh, that one down to the left on the left-hand sideline. From um, I can't, remember. it was the one that made the diving catch. I can't remember who it was now, but uh, the dive dive for the end zone. Um Colin Johnson, wasn't it? Um, no, not Colin Johnson. Tyler Johnson, one of them. Any, and Johnson. Colin, he, it was Colin, yeah, it was oh. Colin. That was it. Yeah, he he looks a star, by the way. Um Yeah, so obviously Browns will get the win as well. But um you know, obviously the Bills now are the number four seed. We talked about the Bills, they're number four seed. Obviously Tennessee have the head to head over them. Browns are number five seed. Dolphins are number seven seed, and the Raiders are number nine. Do we, do we do we think the Raiders make the playoffs? Uh, like say, uh, Kieran, they're kind of a they're they're on the outside looking in, in the n- number nine spot at the moment. Obviously Baltimore still to play as well. Um, what, we you're out of the four, which of the the four teams, Bills, Browns, Dolphins and Majors, do you think would go furthest?
2: Honestly, I think Bills, because from this season, the beginning of this season, I said I almost think they're a Super Bowl team and that you could lock them in for the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs have played way better than I expected this season. I thought they'd kind of have a Super Bowl hangover and couple that with no pre-season and things like that. But yeah, I I I think out of those teams, probably Bills have the potential to go the furthest, but Miami have been so disruptive. They they have gone in against teams that they have no business being in there against and looked absolutely stellar. Which is actually the problem I had with the Browns in this Jags game is that the Browns are a very good football team. Let's make no mistake about that. They are a very good football team, but they really do they really excel at making terrible football teams look competent. And I don't know how they do it with the amount of talent they've
0: got. Mm. Uh, And yeah, Lawrence, just a quick, quick one from you. Which one do you think? uh, There's a really, that's a really stupid question to ask, uh, Kieran. Really, was it? It was always going to be the Bills. Um, So, (laughs) a bit of unbiasedness from you. What what do you, what do you think?
1: It's it's a little slightly controversial, but I think if the Miami Dolphins stick with Fitzmagic and and kind of just kind of just let to a kind of just learn on the sidelines this could be a, a Dolphins team that has a kind of once in a decade bonkers season I really I, I, I just that defense is playing out of its skin the secondary you know Andrew Van Ginkle my new favorite linebacker in the league you know I'm 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 loving watching the Dolphins okay let, let's not talk about the Jets for more than five seconds but you know, this is a, the Dolphins are a legitimate team, and they've they've got kind of they've got some weapons around them. You know, let let's just get them get them to the playoffs, and then let's have some fun. I'm mm, I'm it's, looking. It's going to be a Miami team in the postseason.
0: It's going to be it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how that quarterback thing uh, story play, plays out. I, I noticed there was another signature on that helmet there, Lawrence. Who's on? Who's the signature? on oh, that this helmet? Is,
1: this is after it's a Dolphins game. We've got Tim Tebow there. as well, is it? No, no, no. This was a lot of the team. This okay. was a lot of kind of like Brent Grimes and various people, offensive linemen. It was all when they were kind of, you know, they'd come out the showers, they put on their, you know, Hawaiian shirts and stuff and mm. just just stood outside the, um, the stadium. And they were great. You should, um, should get a job with their uh,
0: JSA clients.
1: I should do. I should do. <laughs> and, and, and funnily enough, this is actually, um, this is not a kind of design signature helmet. I actually, had an ice cream in it. So, so when I was at the stadium, they actually put ice cream in it. So there you go. That was that was an ice cream holder. Not go, a bad right? one, eh?
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Um, yeah, like, like Ross mentions there, we'll learn about more of the Dolphins in week 14 uh, when they play the Chiefs. That's obviously one that's uh, coming up on the horizon, but we'll certainly look forward to that in a couple of weeks, to a two weeks' time now, I suppose. Um, okay, let's move over then to the uh, the the NFC uh, playoff picture. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, it's a bit brutal. Uh, the Saints and Broncos played in a, a football game and no sense of the word uh, of or quarterbacks on the field or on the papers or, or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> Kieran... Um I have kind of themed this the NFC section. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing with your hands. Oh i see. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to you in a minute. Um I've kind of named this section. There's quite a lot of NFC teams that kind of have question marks over their future quarterback, but obviously we'll we st- we'll start with the Saints and the Broncos game. Um no quarterback for the Broncos obviously in this one was literally a quarterback carousel. Obviously Lindsay started off the started off the carousel and then you have flashes of Royce and then you have flashes of Hinton, flashes of Gordon. Uh is it is it where is it Flashes of Gordon? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, i yeah, fashion. <laughs> oh yeah, ah. No, no, Josh Gordon on there. Uh, but is it is it worth wasting our time uh, with this game talking about it? It's, it was no, it's, it's always no, a really tiresome exhibition game, isn't it?
1: No, please, let's not go there. It was fun. It was ridiculous. It was I think, fun. I, I was hoping Sean um gets on the line because he was getting rather irritated with my <laughs> um commentary after every drive. I was I was posting stats on the um on the full 10 whatsapp group and and it was you know incredible that he got to halftime with with zero completions and who's the last quarterback to get to halftime with zero completions
2: nathan peterman
1: no (laughs) it's another
0: bronco john (laughs) Hellway.
2: tim tebow
0: yeah
2: Such a tim tebow stat yeah yeah
0: Brilliant, and, and I, I apologize. I apologize. You can see on the sc- on the ticker on below. I really didn't know when I was putting the stats on this. I really didn't know what to put for the Broncos. So I've just put everyone that played at court. About nothing to see here, and no fan caught a pass. I apologize, Broncos fans, and I know a couple of them, and I'm sorry, but that's the best I could do. That's really the best I could do for you guys. <laughs> but Kieran, just t- talk us New- through. Talk us through.
2: New Orleans was not much better in the passing game. No. Taysom Hill is a great athlete. Trash quarterback. Why? Why <laughs> did they insist on paying this man tons of money after Teddy Bridgewater did what Teddy Bridgewater did? After they got Jameis Winston for an absolute steal, this man is on your roster, and you he's still play. He, yeah, and you still play a Mormon out of Brigham Young University to try and run an offense he is
1: woefully unequipped to handle. Two that kid, years I, later. The Saints fans have got the number one seed and they're sitting pretty. So, sometimes you do not need to win pretty. I was watching Cam Newton just before we went on air saying that, you know, he'd rather every single time win ugly than lose pretty. And, you know, I don't think it was a particularly ugly loss. They weren't game planning to put Taysom Hill and, you know, get him to throw 45 passes in a game. He wasn't gonna be like a, too, a plug and plug and replace of, of Breeze. He was doing his own thing. And and as I said before, I, I think there is no better sight than Taysom Hill with a full head of steam. He is a frightening, frightening man. If he gets five yards clear of the line of scrimmage and he's still building up steam, Christ, no one wants to stand in front of him. He's fun to watch, absolutely fun to watch. Yeah, he's not he's not a gifted quarterback in the traditional drop back 1980s Dan Marino sense but this is 2020 this is the COVID year right. of 2020 anything goes here's,
0: here's, here's a question then all right so swap quarterbacks on both teams in that game what's the what's the result put Taysom Hill on Denver and put Cher- I mean, it's Cherry Hinton then. It's, whatever his name is Kendall Hinton uh, quarterback for the Kendall Hinton for the uh for the Saints who, who wins the game
1: it's closer it's probably nine so. nil. <laughs>
0: nine nil. Yeah, it probably would be. To be nine
1: hard. nil to the Chiefs. It's still. It's still. The, the
0: <laughs> nine Chiefs, nil to the Chiefs. They don't sure even play.
1: The playing. Saints are still going to win, but it would have been closer. It would have been closer.
0: Go on, Kieran. Sorry, we're, we're interrupting. I mean, I, I suppose the, good, the funny thing is we have something to talk about in this game. I, I mean, it's not necessarily the football on the field, but it's quite funny, isn't
2: it? I, look, I people give me so much crap online because I do not think Taysom Hill is a good quarterback all this game did was prove once again like I am almost every other day that I was right again it's what I do I am consistently (laughs) right in my takes the only take I've ever whiffed on is saying that LSU were gonna have more wins than the Florida Gators this year I get it I said before the season Taysom Hill is not a good quarterback Miami will have a top eight defense Ryan Tannehill's going to look fantastic, and Josh Allen's making a run at MVP. I was not wrong on any of those things, so I am sticking to my guns on Taysom Hill, is a great athlete, terrible quarterback. When he's plugged in to most fantasy teams as a tight end? Come on. He couldn't even throw for 100 yards against a very injury-cropped Broncos team. This Broncos defense isn't exactly groundbreaking or really getting stops. It just proves that he can't stand in there. If they don't start Jameis Winston, I am going down to New Orleans. I am marching down there and I'm going to punch their head coach in the face until my hand breaks for playing Taysom Hill. Let me say that again. Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. Say what you want about Jameis Winston last season in New Orleans. He is not He is a way better quarterback than Taysom
1: Hill, and that's just the way it goes.
0: Right, let's let's, maybe
1: maybe next week. um, (laughs) You know, you can up your game and show a little bit of passion next week. Yeah, absolutely. You've been so flat this evening.
0: Yeah, talking, talking of the Denver Broncos defense, it, yeah, it wasn't exactly the Super Bowl 51, was it? Um, but yeah, just just a couple of notes on this one. Kendall Hilton. Funny enough, and I'm surprised you didn't come up with this one, Kieran, or you didn't mention it. Kendall Hinton has actually thrown a touchdown pass more recently uh, than, than Taysom Hill. T- uh, Taysom Hill's last touchdown pass was, thanks to Sean, obviously, in, the, uh, in our in our team, Sean Tyler, come up with this one. BYU of Taysom Hill 2016 is the last time he threw a touchdown pass, and Kendall Hinton threw one at Wake in 2017. So, um, Kendall Hinton finishing, one of 9 is uh yeah Lawrence with all his fingers earlier uh, two interceptions for 13 yards and like I say uh, no offense uh, with the only reception and even over half, I think half of that was over was yak wasn't it <laughs> um, yeah not not pretty um, but you have, you have to feel obviously Drew Locke's come out and said that he owns the mistake and obviously they didn't wear masks so um, it's, it's an interest in the differences and I'm not going to get into the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, arguments right now about you know being screwed over and the rest of it by COVID that's that's for another podcast that's for another debate maybe in the offseason to, to once it's all set, said and done uh, but we will move over to another to the NFC North, Lawrence, you have got the Packers, who trounced the Bears. um Quick word on on the Packers' performance, and obviously Trubisky in at QB at this one, uh, and then well, kind of what's the what's the long term plan for for the Bears at quarterback because Nick Foles obviously isn't the answer. He's come out, he's obviously injured, and Trubisky clearly isn't the answer because he got benched for Nick Foles
1: um,
0: in the early on in the season. So yeah, give us give us uh, the Packers' performance, and then your thoughts uh, of of the QB yeah, situation. I'm-
1: it's, it's kind of one of these games I don't really want to dwell on or spend too much time on, that that narrative about Aaron Rodgers bouncing back immediately from a poor performance is is an absolute truth, kind of one of the biggest truths in the NFL. He, he has an absolute nightmare, and then he has an absolute dream game following up. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He didn't even have to go into fifth gear. He was kind of in in third, going into fourth, he didn't even have to step into fifth gear at any point because the the lead was so big at one point. Um, you know, we've got to give credit to the Packers' running game. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, what a fantastic pairing! And and you know, talk about even Stevens, both had seventeen carries each. We talk about you know, we talked about kind of what was the the downfall of the the Raiders that lack of running game. What was what really made the difference in this game? Yes, Aaron Rodgers had a had a you know pretty stat line, but this this came down to the Packers establishing, keeping hold of the football, keeping long drives, and giving the ball to Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, 163 yards between them. And then we've got to look elsewhere as well. Robert Tonyan, the tight end, he's excelled all season. Another big game, another touchdown. Actually, his seventh touchdown of the season. Tonyon came into 2020, he had 14 catches in two years as a kind of, you know, end of the roster kind of player, special teamer. He's now caught 37 out of the 42 balls thrown his way this season, and he's having he's having a really, really good season. So, and and fantasy-wise, you know, never too expensive, you know, it's, it's just a, a lovely little pickup, Robert Tonian. So, you know, his he, price will go up now but hopefully people have had some good value from him to date um you know stats can be very very deceiving Mitch Trubisky actually outpassed Aaron Rodgers by over 30 yards um but you know that that that's not a true you know it doesn't depict how how good he was (laughs) he also also
0: had 17 more attempts
1: Yeah, I mean, let's, let's kind of let's kind of gloss over that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, the reality was most of those yards were gained in the fourth quarter after the Bears were trailing by thirty-one points, and, and it was you know it, it was all over. Even David Montgomery had a had a half decent stat line. His first hundred-yard game. Yes, it was kind of that helped by that fifty-plus-yard run. Um, that's always going to help any running back stat line. But he had 143 yards total um, and a receiving touchdown. So, you know, not a bad performance from someone who has, com- you know, completely underwhelmed in, in almost two full NFL seasons. Um, it's, it's really, it came down to the Bears' defense that has been bending. I mean, you look at their last four losses has been by a combined 30 points. So they're losing by just over a touchdown a game. And then, boom, the the Aaron Rodgers show turns up and they that, that defence that was bending finally broke. And those two garbage time touchdowns by Trubisky made the stat line look, you know, it made it look like it's not a blowout. It was a blowout. It was an absolute blowout. Um, those two scores, you know, flattered to deceive. Bears, just, just like you were saying, Tim, in terms of missing a big defensive lineman, Bears missing Akeem Hicks absolutely showed up. Um, they allowed the Packers to have possession for almost 38 minutes. The Bears' defense managed zero turnovers. Khalil Mack and the entire defense was held sackless um, as the, the Packers um, had the game in the bag with a, with a whole quarter still left to play. And in fact, it was that bad for the Bears' defense. They didn't even manage a single quarterback pressure in the entire game this is the best defense not a single quarterback pressure so you know we all know the line now five and one to five and six for the Bears this is going to cost Matt Nagy his job at some point I mean I, I was reading about him what he what he said after the game saying that every freaking coach on the staff every player better wake up I mean, this is a bad sign, I think, of a coach who's kind of on the, on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And, and to answer your question, Tim, neither Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky are the future of the Bears. Um, at the moment, the Bears have got about as much swagger as Paddington and their defence is lost in deepest, darkest Peru. Maybe if the entire team all have a marmalade sandwich before their home game against the Lions... They can end that five-game skid. I mean, you look, Trubisky, twenty-six and nineteen in his in his career, three and one this season. Again, completely deceptive statistic. He's not a he's not winning seventy-five percent of his games on paper. He is, but you know yeah. that that's just a bonkers stat. Foles is actually a twenty-eight and twenty-seven on his career, so he's a he's a he's just above five hundred as a as a career quarterback, and he's two and five this season. So neither of them are the answer, and I think the Bears, unfortunately, are going to limp through the season if they get, you know, one or two more wins and somehow scrape an eight and eight season. It's not going to help them. They're just stuck right in that kind of like middle of the road mire, and you might as well, you might as well crash and burn from this point onwards and try and get a better quarterback in the 2021 draft. They're not going to they're not going to want to admit to doing that, but they might start thinking about doing that. You know, mm. considering that their season is pretty much written off now.
0: Yeah, and uh, Kieran, we'll just come to you. Obviously, just quick thirty seconds. Obviously, you are a college guy. Is there any any particular quarterbacks in this class that's going to come out next season that they should maybe look at? Obviously, they're not going to be in the tank for Trevor Stakes and um, uh, Justin Fields, and probably not going to be high enough enough. But uh, you know, is there is anyone else maybe they should be kind of watching some some tape for to to get maybe get excited about?
2: I think Kyle Trask out of Florida would be a very uh, very good choice. He's a big guy. He'd fit that sort of offense. The only problem is he, he tends to, uh, when he, he doesn't find a receiver, he tends to just tuck the ball and take off as a runner. But, you know, that can be coached out of him. Uh, him or Zach Wilson out of BYU. I think those two are very gettable options for the Bears in mid-first round. Both guys playing out of their mind this year and obviously would be good pickups for the NFL. But if mm. depending on how their record shakes out, I don't know how high of a pick they're going to have.
0: Yeah, uh, they'll have to see see if they win any more games, and certainly what their <laughs> the motivation is to win any more games uh, from here on out. So, okay, let's round up then. Quick five minutes for the rest of the NFC. You can see the scores going there across the the bottom of the screen. Uh, we we'll start off in the NFC West. Uh, a couple of late kicks here, deciding a couple of games with three the three teams uh, involved. San Francisco with a Robbie Gould uh, late one to beat the Rams to sh- shake up the NFC West, 23 to 20, the final uh, in this one. Very physical game in this one. That Kyle Shanahan said beforehand he wanted to get physical in this one with the run game uh, and that's what they did They're pretty much controlling this game for the whole game and until the, the Rams defence managed to to swing it back, the pendulum back into their kind of favour but then the, the 49ers kind of regrouped um, and re, rejigged a few things and, and again took control of the, of the fourth quarter um, I'd say Robbie Gold, has he done through many a many a time in his career, uh, but but um, batting it through the uprights uh, as time ex- expires. San Francisco obviously now improving to five and six. Seattle obviously playing tonight, but obviously now all teams two two wins with the win, wins within the each other. Um, so pick the bones out of that one. Quick words. So who, who do you reckon wins the West, Lawrence? One word. Seahawks, um, is this the worst? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, 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 Seahawks. Seahawks got yeah, yeah. those and um, Seahawks. Seahawks.
2: Yeah, Seahawks. Kieran. Yeah, I said from the beginning of the season, Seahawks.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think, I think this is a kind of division where obviously San Francisco were the, I think they were the favourites coming into the season. Then it was kind of Seattle's to lose and Arizona made a play on with Bob eating them and uh, and then it looked as though Arizona uh, we're, going, were going to make kind of a charge. And then the Rams, obviously, were top coming into this one uh, after their win last week. But maybe it's all going to come full circle, but maybe but surely not the 49ers from, from that position. But they are getting healthy. Obviously, return of Debo Samuel uh, and Richard Sherman on both sides of the ball. there, and uh, amongst others, obviously, helping to their cause uh the other team in the nfc west that played just say arizona lost to a last second uh, nick Folkfield goal 20 to 17 the final uh in <laughs> in this one uh, arizona did have a chance to go and win it themselves then gonzalez uh more kicking troubles for him missing from the 45 uh worth well, 35 or 45 yard try uh, he's now missed five on the season mm-hmm. from the 21 attempts that is uh, hashtag not great bob uh pa- patriots are now five and six can they make a playoffs as a wild card possibly um I've got I'll come to you, Kieran, shortly in a minute. But they they finish off with um, a, a two week stay in uh, Los Angeles to play the Chargers and the Rams, and then uh, they have three games, three divisional games to round it off at Dolphins versus Bills uh, and the Jets as well. As Lawrence takes a back seat. They're not quite sure where he's gone. Um, but yeah, what, what do you make of of the of the Patriots from here on out? Because you you said before we went on air that you didn't want necessarily you, you wanted the to top ten pick and, and go from there, but obviously a win kind of changes that, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think. The problem is, Bill Belichick, as a coach, has, I think, too much pride to tank. Mm, mm. Even though if he, he, him and Kraft spoke about it, he'd say, look, uh, my position's safe. Let's go out and lose a bunch of games. I don't think that's his style. Uh, I would have liked a top-ten pick, because I, I think... But here's the problem. We never do good with our first-round picks. The last good first-round pick we had was Dante Hightower, mm, and he's mm. a defensive guy. So we really struggle you know, we've we've got a Husky as our our GM making picks. So If you remember the draft, there was a dog sat in Bill Belichick's chair for half of it. Uh, (laughs) I I think this is a statement win to say, look, we can contend with the big teams, but I don't even think we get a wild card spot because we are the third best team in our division right now. The the Bills and Dolphins are consistently playing top-tier football and beating teams that nobody thought they had any business going against. Uh, And then the only other team's the Jets, which is good for us because we know we're going to get at least two wins on a season. And then during the course of this podcast, we now found out Julian Edelman is on injured reserve. So I don't know. I think we just foster the talent we've got, bring in a new quarterback next season. I don't think we should try too hard in the rest of the games. We've got solid core guys. Jacoby Myers has been fantastic. Obviously, Damon Harris really had a breakout year this year at, at running back. But there's not many other pieces on that offense that we can really win games with. So I, I think it'd be a case of just, you know, taking it easy for the rest of the season, getting Damon Harris with 100 plus yards, maybe trying to get rid of Sony Michel for a pick. Just get as much draft capital as we can. I think... If I'm correct on the statement I read a week ago in my Patriots group chat, we should have $97 million worth of cap going into next season with all the dead cap from Gronkowski and Brady and stuff. I know we're not a big free agency team. We don't like to pay guys, but this could be a turning point. Uh, Bill Belichick could say, hey, we don't have a great quarterback or anything, a guy who's inspiring everyone to get better as well as Brady does. So I think maybe... Next season, we rebuild, and you'll be mm-hmm. back to seeing the Patriots in every other Super Bowl again.
0: <laughs> yeah there's that, certainly something to not look forward to um, yeah it's, it's quite interesting how the the New England Patriots nullified the Cardinals Kyla Murray 23 of 34 for 170 yards at no touchdowns and one interception and just five rushes uh, for 31 yards on the ground there so uh, there was an interesting play was, I think the penultimate drive for uh, Arizona it, it was amazing I think it was nine plays inside the red zone for Arizona they kept getting to third down and, and then yeah, New England committing penalties to reset the downs but it's a fascinating uh, set of plays on, on that one so if you are uh, watching the game in 40 you want to go, go back and watch go and watch that. that was quite interesting Um let's round up the rest of the games then that you can see on the bottom of the screen the Teddy Bridgewater Bowl uh, Teddy B uh, was smiling going into the kind of the late stages of this one had the Panthers comfortably up in this one um, but like every week they're, they're seemingly in the NFL uh, one big lead well not necessarily big lead I think it was about 11 points at one point in this one but yeah, it seemed to go by the wayside 21 10 up going into the fourth and then Kirk Cousins decides to turn up there I say it wasn't a prime time but he obviously turned up where at the business end of the game uh, a couple Touchdown passes to Justin Jefferson and um, Chad Beebe. Obviously, no Adam Thielen in in this one either. But scary, uh, scary moment for Dalvin Cook um, when he went down. Obviously, he was able to to shake it off. Uh, but two two field goals in the fo- in the fourth quarter from the Panthers effectively not just quite enough to to get the win in this one. Vikings move to five and six. The Panthers four and eight as they uh, as they now move to the Bayern. Lawrence.
3: Yeah,
1: just a quick one. Just wanted to say a shout out to to my friend Scott who's um, watching this who's actually he's an american living in minnesota so he's he's dialed in from minnesota so congratulations scott on your on your win it's not going to get you anywhere but <laughs> well done on the victory and just in typical fashion to make myself feel really old and yes that is a gray beard and i do feel as old as my gray beard obviously i remember chad bb's pops Playing quite a lot of significant football for, um, you know, for the Bills and stuff. So, you know, this this was back in the day. So I just feel it makes me feel ancient when I'm watching the son of whoever playing in the 2020 season. So mm-hmm. yeah, just just thanks for making me feel old, Chad BB. Yeah,
0: and then Kieran was doing his uh, best Cristiano Ronaldo a goal celebration impression there with his little finger in the air. What uh, what do you want? <laughs>
2: Can we just shut down the talk about Justin Herbert being Rookie of the Year now and just give that to Justin Jefferson?
0: Let's, poll, let's just be it? honest. He's a top a
2: five receiver in the NFL right now. Mm. No question. So he deserves Rookie of the Year. I know it's cool to give it to quarterbacks or whatever, but quite frankly, no, no rookie quarterback has deserved it this year besides maybe Joe Burrow until mm. his knee exploded. So... Mm. Justin Jefferson for rookie of the year and I think Scott Olsen
1: will like that. He certainly will. He certainly and which, which rookie leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns?
0: Which NFL look rookie leads in rushing t- whatever?
1: No, this season. Oh this season. Right now, as we speak. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Rushing touchdowns, gents. Rushing.
0: I don't know my mind's gone blank. What who?
1: Justin Antonio Herbert. Antonio Gibson. Oh.
0: oh. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. Right, wow, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, the other the other game to to get over with, Giants. Uh, the, we've got to talk about the NFC East, I suppose, at some point. Uh, Daniel Jones going uh, down with an injury in this one. Probably going to miss a few weeks. Uh, we will see He gets an MR right today. But obviously, it's a huge in the context of the NFC East, obviously currently leading it, possibly now in Washington's hands, um, with all, all things considered, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles are playing a bit later tonight. Uh, 1917 in this one. Looked very ropey for a while in this one. Uh, but uh, Bengal Brandon Wilson writing himself into the record books with 103. 3 Yard at return touchdown after Gorman got in on the Giants' first drive. Then after that, essentially the Giants asked Graham Gano to to do a, a quadruple shift like they do in the N H S at the moment, uh, paying homage to to those of those guys. Clearly, uh, Graham Gano obviously a Scott him itself, but made, Bengals made it interesting late on. With the T. Higgins at touchdown, but too little, too late for the Bengals. Obviously, with uh, was it Brandon Allen at quarterback this week? Obviously, they are in a free fall, uh, and it's gonna it's still a long way away before Joey B uh, returns to the field. That wraps us up for uh, the week review. So, we're gonna get some uh, winners and losers. Lawrence, uh, actually, no, before we do, we, we've got a little guest in our, in our in the waiting room talking of NHS and the emergency I call it the emergency room, but we'll add him in, Mr. Sean Blundell. How are you doing?
3: Good evening, fellas. How are we? Yeah, very well. You all right? Uh, yeah, not bad. I'd like the last two hours of my life back. But apart from that, I'm pretty good, mate. Um, not too bad at all.
0: Second half didn't go well, then. Uh,
3: well, played well <laughs> but lost, mate. <laughs> down, <laughs> down similar to my uh, fandom of the last ten years, mate. Played well and lost.
0: There we go. All right. Well, we won't, we, I won't allow you to put Aston Villa as your loser. Uh, but Lawrence, we'll come <laughs> to you. We'll come to you first uh, with a winner. What's your, who's your winner for week twelve? Oh
1: um, well, I'm going for the Atlanta Falcons defense. Um, this was. <laughs> This, we, we've talked about them as the the shock of the week. Um, if we look at it from a from a fantasy perspective, that Falcons defense scored twenty eight fantasy points. Anyone who predicted that, honestly, they deserve a some sort of special medal. Um, so, what was really important for the Falcons? D is they they managed to kind of wrap a watertight tourniquet around the, the kind of their collective wounds that they've they've had over the course of the season, and um, it's really interesting. Head coach um, interim head coach Raheem Morris is actually now four and two um, since taking over. So you know there, there's there's hope. There is hope um, in in Atlanta. Um, you know they they allowed under seven points for the first time this season, whilst putting up their biggest total. Raiders turned the ball over five times, had just 13 first downs, and had the ball for um, about 25 minutes. Biggest Falcons win for over half a decade, and the momentum swinger in this game was the <clears throat> 69yard interception return um, for Dion Jones, the linebacker that gave them a, a 20point lead early in the third quarter. Um the Falcons have got the weapons on offense if if Julio Jones can somehow manage to get on the field. Um and they've now proved they've actually got a bit of a defense. So yeah, um loving a loving a bit of Falcons defense this week. Um and my other one little extra um winner that I'll chuck in there, and it's kind of obvious, is the all the fans of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yep. So yeah, we we talked to uh, talked a Big bit winners. earlier about the um all the um, fans donating to Deshaun Watson's charity, and they're all donating amounts of $13 and that $13 represents the amount of wins that M- Matt Patricia had in um, what was it? 43 games. So 13 wins in 43 games considering he's from the, you know, the, the Belichick tree um, it's been an abject failure in Detroit, an absolute mm-hmm. abject failure so I know that the 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 Lions owner has said that they're gonna really do their work um, in terms of getting a a new head coach, but they've you know whoever gets that job has got a tough tough ask.
0: Yeah, they certainly do indeed. Kieran, we come to you. Your winner, uh, your winner and loser of the same team. I see.
2: Yes, the. My loser more strictly is the Levi's Stadium, to be specific. Uh but yeah, San Francisco kind of bounced back a little bit this week. They you know, I I think Nick Mullins is a good quarterback. I'm just gonna put that out there. I think he could be a starter given the right system. But they showed up Nick Mullins you know did what he did he managed the game he moved the ball and they managed to pull off a win missing half their team Debo Samuel looked fantastic though as always that kid can just clear ground when he picks it up and takes off with the ball so yeah good (laughs) good win for the 49ers maybe keeping themselves relevant until they get some more starters back but it Honestly, the scariest part of this 49ers team is that they might get a high draft pick now, which is a uh, disgusting thought with how much talent they have. Mm.
0: Yeah, that remains to be seen. Just before I hand it over to Sean to to utter his first words, uh, in, on the NFL podcast, I'm just going to give my winner to Jeremy Chin. I don't usually give a defensive players uh, any love, but two defensive touchdowns and back-to-back plays for the 2021 rookie uh, pick um, certainly give a bit of a bit of love to to some defense for over there in Carolina. And I tell you what, put, put a good QB. Well, no disrespect to Teddy B, but you put an elite level quarterback in, in that team. The Carolina team's going to go places. Um, everyone kind of scoffed when they picked every every. Every draft pick in in this season's uh, NFL draft went went on defense. Everyone kind of raised an eyebrows, but yeah, it could be could be an interesting um, interesting way. But Mr. Blundell, we come to you finally. Who any winners and any, any winners and losers for you this week in week twelve?
3: Well, excuse my indulgence, but I'm obviously going to say after suffering through twelve years of losing seasons that the the big winners this week are all the Cleveland Brown fans who've stuck with this Absolute nightmare of a franchise through thick and thin and officially now cannot lose this season, getting their eighth <laughs> win of the season. So even if we don't win another game, fellas, that's uh, that's got to be a bit of an achievement in itself. But uh, yeah, of course, they're going to the playoffs anyway, aren't they? So let's see what happens. Uh, in terms of losers, I I, I want to call out Sean Payton as a bit of a loser, which is very strange for a team that won and won convincingly. But I can't believe we sat through a game on Sunday night where the two quarterbacks combined for less than 100 yards. And obviously, I haven't been listening to you boys early, so you may have discussed <laughs> this. But if I was James Winston, I'd be sitting on the bench wondering to myself, what on earth am I doing here? Because you had two guys, and obviously, I'm, I'm taking absolutely no blame here onto the, the, the poor receiver from the Broncos He was thrust into this. I mean, he was just set up to fail. And to be honest, actually... Feeling in some ways great for him because he'd have probably never gone on the active roster so he's going to have made a bit of money. He's all of a sudden become a bit of a household name and a celebrity overnight and good luck to him in the future. He went out there and he battled hard. But Taysom Hill, Jesus Christ, if, if Drew Brees doesn't get back quickly, I'm sorry, I know the Saints have won the two games that he hasn't been playing but they are going to seriously get caught out by a better team. Um, you know, and if I was Sean Payne, I'd be seriously considering getting James Winston onto the field. Yes, we know that he, he obviously can turn the ball over and it'd be a bit of a bold move when Taysom has come in and won two games, but I'm sorry, they are not going to win games against decent opposition in January. I'll turn it over to James. Let's see what he can do. Um, he's certainly going to suit the scheme a bit more than uh, what Tyson Hill seems to have done. You know, I think you know, basically, neither team wanted to throw the ball on Sunday, did they? And that, uh, that that was understandable from a Denver point of view, but no excuse for the Saints. So, you know, come on, sorted out Sean Payton. you got one of the best rosters in the NFL. Get the best quarterback on your roster currently out there on the field.
0: Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll continue the head coaching theme in terms of losers Anthony Lynn. Uh, I mean, what is he doing? Uh, just watch the last couple of minutes and, and the last drive for the Chargers. He doesn't have a literally looks like he doesn't have a clue, a clue on that sideline. He's talking to officials for minutes on end, discussing God knows what. I, don't, I mean, maybe he's discussing dinner plans. I, I have no idea. Um, but that, the play call on the last drive absolutely ab- abhorrent. Um, Herbert completes a bomb, you know, 40, fifty yards, forty-five yards down the field to Tyron Johnson to get them down to the two yard line, they have no timeouts left. The clock is running. And then they run Austin Eckler up the middle for one yard in the middle of the inbounds. What are you doing? And then huh. eight second, eight, eight seconds left. They didn't take do two shots to Mike Williams. Stops the clock with two seconds to go. And then Herbert goes to line up in the shotgun, comes, goes under center, takes the snap, and st- the, the offensive line just don't know what's what's going on. They're going backwards. They run in. They they trample all over Justin Herbert and could be in a serious injury there. But it's just absolutely. I, I have no words. I have absolutely no words. Anthony Lynn needs to be. Uh, we, yeah, obviously we have a resident Chargers uh, person in, in our group with with Lynn. It'd be interesting to get his thoughts. But I thought that was absolutely mind numbing. I, mean, I have no idea what's going on. I, I think the commentators were just as confused as I were. Uh, but Anthony Lynn is 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 on borrowed time over there. He need he needs to go. They need to they need to clear out there um yes justin herbert's performed well this year and he's done you know in spite of anthony rather than you know in conjunction with um just absolutely absolutely mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing uh lawrence quick a couple of uh, 30 seconds for your for your loser and then we'll get some stats and then we shall get out of here
1: um i've got the raiders defense to kind of cap my yin and yang of that game um you know the the fact that they allowed eight points more than they allowed to the Kansas city chiefs the week before (laughs) is a bit is a bit of a bad sign and you know things are getting worse when two opponents running backs each rush for more than your entire team did um and then as I think as was mentioned earlier you know we know that the biggest sign of the apocalypse is when Nathan Peterman actually takes the field and ends up with a better quarterback rating than um, than Carr, and also manages to outrush Devontae Booker as well, who's been having quite a few nice little cameo performances. So absolutely shocking. Um, Carr sacked five times, lost three fumbles, was intercepted. And I think I, all i leave it on is this final line. Maybe the Raiders consumed too many Spider-Y, two banana daiquiris in the hotel bar the night before
0: yeah like it like it a lot spider white two banana brilliant um okay then so let's move on to the final bit before we get out of here is of course the stats we do love a stat um Sean I don't know if, I don't think you've got any on you but I'm, I'm certainly going to put Lawrence and uh, oh he does he does he raising his eyebrows all right I'll come to you I'll come to you first then so obviously plenty of stats out there with some weird goings on this week in the NFL with Mahomes, Hill Derek Henry um obviously the Denver game and uh the, the Las Vegas rate game as well but Sean uh, what, what have you gone with your, your stat this week
3: Well of course you mentioned all those games, so I'm gonna go Cleveland, obviously Tim, as you would have obviously expected. So the NFL's best running back, Nick Chubb, has averaged five and a half (laughs) yards per carry in seven (laughs) Absolutely direct He has averaged five and a half yards per carry in seven straight games this year. That's the longest streak by any running back since the nineteen seventy merger. There you go. Others have got at least six, including O.J. Simpson and Adrian Peterson, but Nick Chubb is the first running back since the merger in seven straight games to average five and a half yards per rush.
0: There you go. Is this where I normally say you need to pander to the crowd? Do you know what do you know what jumper I'm wearing here?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very but, good indeed. Not, might be the first running back, but probably not the first NFL athlete.
3: Oh, I'll don't you start? I'm a Jackson. <laughs>
1: Just absolutely, just on on that stat, you yeah. give me Lamar Jackson stats compared to Nick Chubb's next week.
3: Lamar Jackson if... stats. Let, me, let me get him up for you, Lawrence. Hang on one second. Yeah, he's six and five, mate. Move him.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Bring in the fire, bring in the fire, Lawrence. Uh, your chance for a rebuttal. What's your, what's your stat for week 12?
1: Well, it, you can't go any further than Tyreek Hill's first quarter performance, um, which was absolutely incredible. But if we go a little bit, a little bit of retro love, if we actually go into this, it's not the best quarter receiving in NFL history. That record was actually set in December 1999 by a lesser known brother of Rocket Raghib Ismail. It was Quadri Ismail who had 210 yards for the Ravens against the Steelers. Ishmael caught three 50 plus yard touchdowns 54, 59, and 76. And for a bonus, and I always throw it back, who was the quarterback for the Ravens? What year? 1999. No idea. idea. I'll put you out of your misery. It was Tony Banks.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. Tony Banks, yeah.
1: (laughs) And so. Ishmael finished that game with six catches for 258 yards. The entire rest of the Ravens team had two catches for 10 yards, and this is the this is the absolute mind blower of the stat of 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 this. Tony Banks was six. Sorry, Tony Banks went eight out of 26 on that game. Six of the balls were caught by Codre Ishmael for 200. 200- and 58 yards and he only had two other completions and the Ravens still won the game
0: not related to Gordon Banks is he um we'll, we'll move on <laughs> we'll move on Kieran what's your what's your stat for the week
2: Not not to, to uh poop on Lawrence's stat but he missed another player uh Lee Evans actually did that as well the comedian No, the the, uh, very (laughs) average wide receiver. (laughs) Devontae Adams, this is another question. I'll pose a question like Lawrence because I now enjoy asking questions and Lawrence would probably have the right answer. So Devontae Adams has a receiving touchdown in six straight games. Not only is that the longest active streak in the NFL, it ties Packers franchise record since at least 19... Who mostly set the record? Before Devontae.
0: James so the eight, nine...
2: I I will give you a clue. It is not Jordy Nelson, but this man set it the record in 2014.
3: 2014. Donald Driver? Randall Cobb?
2: That's it, Randall Cobb!
1: Nice. nice. I
2: was about to say Texans player, but I think that might have been too strong a hint. Yeah, there
0: you go. There you go. Yeah, certainly Devontae Adams in one of my fantasy teams. He's uh, um, he only has six receptions for sixty yards, which on the stat line is a is a poor game for him. Which says says all oh, you need to know about Devontae Adams. Um, right. Okay. Any more? Any more from anyone? Anyone got any um, any any change? Yeah, Lawrence, where you got?
3: Okay.
1: Keeping on that receiving theme, this is, this is another good one. The NFL record for receiving yards in a game remains with the Rams' Flipper Anderson, Flipper. who's got three hundred and thirty-six yards. And he needed overtime to do it in, back in 1989. Um, Tyreek Hill's 269 yards, did you know, didn't even crack the top 10 in history. And in fact, it is 40 yards short of the Chiefs' single game record, which was held by a receiver called Stefan Page, who in 1985, Page set the NFL record and he held it for four years, He had eight catches for 309 yards, including just two first-half touchdowns. Page's Chiefs beat the Chargers that day, despite the Chiefs having to play two quarterbacks, Bill Kenny and Todd Blackledge. Five other Chiefs caught passes that day. No one had more than one catch, and no one had more than nine yards. And Page actually has an NFL record for most receiving yards in a half, with 258, and that's a record that still stands right back to 1985,
0: so there mm. we go. Yeah, it wasn't far from being broken, though, was it? Let's be, let's be honest. If he would have kept throwing to Tyreek Hill in the same manner in the, in the second quarter, it would
1: have been absolutely... It achievable. Upset. It was definitely yeah. achievable. It was on yeah. there. It was on the plate.
0: Maybe they can try again next week. Who knows? Um, right, let's get out of here. Then, obviously, Monday Night Football to go, and obviously Tuesday Night Football has now become Wednesday Night Football, according to uh, what Sean has just put in Slack there. So, um, yeah, it was uh, anyone actually think this game's going to go ahead on Wednesday? Hands up? No?
3: Uh, yeah, I do. I think he'll go ahead. Um, I think you know. Don't want to spend too much time like say so again out of here. But I, I don't really see what else the league can do. To be honest, I know people keep saying they add weeks on, but I think if we add weeks on, we're just pushing the problem further down the line. I don't really see what adding weeks on is going to solve. But uh, yeah, as it stands, move to Wednesday now. So let's see if it happens.
0: Yeah, certainly we will indeed say Philadelphia, Seattle uh, before that. So, yeah, if if it doesn't go ahead, we'll probably talk about it next week and what day it's going to play. But, um, yeah, if there's no, obviously, no further positive tests today, it would have gone ahead. But um, obviously been moved to Wednesday, obviously Dallas, Baltimore, no Thursday night football. That's been moved to to God knows when, to to God knows when. Um, But that's going to do it for the podcast. Appreciate everyone that has gotten in touch and uh, appreciate Ross and um, who who else? Ross, Scott and Tony and uh, all the other guys that have, 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 C- communicated with us uh, during the podcast. We're going to get out of here. Don't forget takeaways tomorrow on the website 410yards.com for your takeaways on the Tuesday. Obviously, we'll have a, we'll have a fantasy pod as well tomorrow coming. way. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I, myself and the, the gang will be back next Monday, same time, same place, to go over week 13. Will it be lucky for some? Will it be lucky, unlucky for others? Um, So it's goodbye from Lawrence. Goodbye from Kieran. Goodbye from Sean. He'll be back in the driver's seat next week. But in the meantime, in the great words of Kevin Cato, it's been a while since I've said this one. Bye-bye for now. Uh, bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com